Hi, my name is Kay Sutha. I am a business strategist and I will be your host. In this podcast, I'll be getting raw, real and relentless whilst interviewing successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who specialize in different aspects of business. We'll cover the five main pillars of business, which are sales, marketing, finance, operations and leadership, but not forgetting mindset, live and digital events, plus much, much more. You'll gain insights, tips and tricks and discover jaw-dropping actionable steps that you'll be able to put in place for your business right away. Guys, oh my goodness, I have an awesome guest for you today. Now, she has done so many different things. I've spoken to her several times previously and I knew I had to have her on the show. And so she is an international, transformational and TEDx speaker and is an Amazon best-selling author of My Husband Died, Now What? A Widow's Guide to Grief Recovery and Smart Financial Decisions. Named one of New Jersey's best 50 women in business, Deborah has been featured on CNN, ABC, Metro Money TV, New York Times, The Economist, US Today, Reader's Digest. Oh my God, it just goes on, guys. And she has received the 9-11 Volunteer Financial Planner recognition. Yeah, that's right, guys. She's been serving eight widows, one widower, and a 12-year-old orphan pro bono for one year. She's been using her certified grief coaching skills as well as her certified financial planning prowess. (laughs) She is here today to share with us the truths about money and how we can use the tools called money to enhance our wealth. Please welcome Deborah Morrison, speaker, author, and financial coach. Oh my goodness, I am so looking forward to all the golden nuggets today you're going to be giving everyone. Thanks for coming on the show, Deborah. Thanks, Kay. It's a pleasure to be with you and uh, let's get started. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and how what you were doing and how you transitioned into doing what you do right now. Well, I was raised on a small 100 acre beef cattle farm and it was humble. And uh, yet my grandfather, uh, maternal grandfather had invested in the stock market and he handed us children, grandchildren certificates of stock in order to help pay for college. And his hands were shaking as he handed us the stock. And I knew that was something more than mere paper. You'll see, you can hear that in my TEDx talk. And yet I was mesmerized by the energy that I saw. Then I visited the New York Stock Exchange. My aunt took me and I was just slack jawed at all of the excitement that I saw on the floor. And I thought to myself, I don't think I want to be shouting, but there's something about that energy of money that I want to engage in. And so I did. And I became, um, I sold life insurance and then I sold investments and I became a financial planner and it just morphed into uh, what I am today, which is uh, um, a financial coach, if you will, with a whole lot of seasoning around financial principles. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you know what, Deborah, you have got a whole bunch of experiences and knowledge, you know, not just around money, 
but just around business itself, right? You've done so much and you've, you've, you've started at a young age as well. And you're almost um, trained or given that first opportunity by your grandfather to, uh, you know, let you know, maybe take a look at this, you know, start from here and getting, I guess, that bit of push right from the beginning at a young age is not something that everyone is given the opportunity to do so. Right. So that's pretty cool. Now, we are going to be going into a little bit more in depth as to what you do and how you've helped so many people. But first of all, I heard, Deborah, that you have the ability to recognize and strip away biases. What does that mean? Well, Kay, everyone has biases. Some of them, most of them are subconscious, of course, and they run us to the extent that they're subconscious. And so I want to strip those biases away, particularly as we deal with money, both individually and if we're coupled, because whatever bias we or our partner brings into the conversation, that is going to shape the outcome, right? Like garbage in, garbage out. We all know that. And so we'll have biases from our family background, from our religious, if any, uh, upbringing, from society that taint, if you will, that color our approach. And it's very difficult to expunge those. And yet I want us to at least recognize them. Oh, I see my mother never spent any money. Oh, I see my father, you know, or my grandfather sold apples in the depression. Whatever the memory, whatever the bias we bring in, we need to recognize that that's going to alter and shape our responses. And so when you have a couple, (laughs) you have perhaps a plethora of biases that could otherwise throw your a financial discussion into um, an extra complication that I don't want us to uh, engage in. Okay, so I've got a question for you, Deborah, especially with regards to couples. Um, I know you work with couples and individuals. Because of all the different kind of biases people have, especially as a couple, I mean, first of all, would you be able to tell us what some of the common biases are? And is it harder to work with couples than it is as an individual? Actually not. I find it very engaging because couples are very, very uh, interesting in so much as often the couples have disparate money views and biases, right? Right. One is a spender, one is a saver, right? Right. And and so I I enjoy working with anyone that's that's attracted into my um, aura, if you will. And I think some of the biases are like overconfidence. So I know about this company, uh, but this stock will surely be good, you know? uh, this there's I can't lose money, you know, in bonds. Right. Well, which is a completely mis- misstatement of fact. Uh, so these kinds of biases like, um, oh, I'll, or, or the negative, like I, I made a mistake once. I can never get this. I don't know math. I'm just too stupid. I'm too old, whatever. So these aren't necessarily money or investment biases because there's a whole list of about 50 of those. And I'd be happy to uh, include that in the bonuses for our, our watchers as well and listeners. Yet the aspect of couples coming into the into relationship with each other is very, very interesting because there's a big rich reward, Kay, when couples get it right and they'll feel it and that will energize and superpower their relationship. So what are your thoughts on, because I hear this quite often, you know, you should never go into business with your partner, family, friends, because that's going to totally ruin the relationship you have with them. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think communication is key. And without communication, you shouldn't even 
uh, you know, be involved uh, with your partner uh, and mix your money up. I mean, it's going to be very difficult to live a life that's congruent, if you will, if in fact you have poor communication. And I want to encourage each of us to talk with ourselves first about our money. Now, this has sometimes been more difficult for women, Kay, particularly older women who've been socialized so poorly around money. And, And so that conversation starts with us, right? And then we bring our thoughts and feelings, because money is not just money, it's loaded with a plethora of emotion. We bring our contribution to the couple table if we're coupled. Uh-huh. And then the one and one make actually three or four or more. And yet absent that communication, um, I wouldn't suggest going into a business, especially because the partnership and the, and the life is probably going to be strained enough. But boy, you can cure that with communication. And I don't care if a couple or a person's been in business with their partner for a long time and it's not been so unique and, and, and fruitful. You can change that. Like what was a Jill Bolte Taylor says, you know, take 90 seconds to change your entire physiology from being like completely angry or in this case, incongruent with your partner to completely in sync. So we can choose to change our old patterns. And yet I want us to bring all this subconscious stuff that runs us conscious so that we can control it. Interesting. Um, I want to take a couple of steps back. You mentioned earlier that it's important that we communicate with ourselves, talk to ourselves. What does that look like? Because to me, to maybe some people out there probably thinking, I'm not going to talk to myself. That's kind of crazy. That's the first sign of craziness. So what does that mean? Well, it's a manner of speaking, of course, talk, if that's your mode. Uh, if you're a visual person, I like to write it down. I am. Okay. And or a kinesthetic person, I like to feel things. So I try some, I try an idea on, hey, what would it be like if I had this amount of money in my investment account? Hey, what would it be like if I, if I thought I could actually travel, right? So we toss things into the mix, whether it's a, a verbal communication, whether we're speaking into a mirror, sometimes that's very effective because we just see ourselves. And, we, and a second when something comes out of our mouth and sometimes we don't always plan that stuff. It comes from someplace else. And I'm always treated when that happens. When something comes out of our mouth and we're looking in the mirror, we're straight at ourselves. And we say, really? Hey, Let's try that, right? I am like the queen of options. I want to have a lot of options and I want my peeps that are coaching with me to have a lot of options. And the options can come from within once we prime that pump, okay? Right, okay, I like that. Um, And I I like the fact that you said that you've got to be able to talk to yourself before you can talk to anyone in business, partners, you know, even people that you're possibly collaborating with, sponsors, you've got to be able to speak with yourselves first before you can even explore any of those other avenues, right? So that's really interesting. Thanks for pointing that out. So Deborah, what actually qualifies you as an expert in this field? Well, at just out of college, um, I worked in the corporate world for a half a day and realized, well, that's not going to work for me. I am just not employable. <laughs> I'm too much of an entrepreneur. And so I began, I wanted to start uh, with investments because I just loved investments. And yet uh, they weren't going to put money into a woman in investments in 1978. And so they said, why don't you sell life insurance? And I thought life insurance, like I know what it is, but like, I didn't really know any of the attributes of it. And when they explained it to me, I was like, holy camoly, this product saves families, grief, extra grief, saves businesses, keeps businesses alive, et cetera. And so I just, 
I just came out of the gun uh, completely uh, energized about that. I mean, I was selling to people three and four times my age. Uh, you know, I was carrying a towel to wipe the wet behind my ear. All right. So led the agency in life insurance the first year I was in the business. Then I said, after two years, boys, <laughs> and it was all white men, <laughs> boys, I want to I want to learn about investments. And so I learned about investments and became a certified financial planner and then became a fiduciary financial planner, which is fee only, no product commissions to taint any recommendations. And then I, uh, after the 9-11 tragedy, obtained my grief coach certification, which was extremely valuable. Right. And now I dovetail those skill sets, Kay, in helping people move through grief and various shades of grief and degrees of grief, as well as move through ignorance, if you will, towards empowerment around our money. And so I've spent 42 years. I mean, you heard that it was child labor. I've spent 42 years. I know an awful lot of mistakes that people can avoid. And so when co people coach with me, I'm able to steer their, if you will, financial cars, tires away from those really deep potholes. Right. It's always, Kay, the unexpected that throw us completely off right so we want to have a plan set down for the expected and then it gives us a, a plant if you will from which to focus for dealing with unexpected so that uh, qualifies me I think as an expert in both finance and in um, grief recovery amazing now you mentioned to plan for the unexpected how do you do that you know if you're not expecting something how can you even plan for it well, that's a great question. And I, uh, well, I also have my master's degree in retirement planning. And so I chose that field, particularly that specialty, because there are massive decisions in retirement planning. These are really decisions that uh, sometimes are irrevocable and they can shape um, our future in a way that's either very positive or not so positive. And so uh, always, you know, I have, I have adhered to if money can solve it, it's not a problem, right? Right. Like okay. if somebody's deathly ill, Ooh. no amount of money. Right. And I don't I've held the hands of people on their dying their on their deathbed and 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 they'd give groups of zeros for one more dance with their partner or to, to witness their child being married, etc. So we I want to us to frame money as the tool it is not something to be worshipped by any stretch. Uh, and I have said myriad times I have two assets in life and coming from an asset manager, time and health. You didn't hear money there, time and health. So if we can uh, manage our money and, and prioritize our spending and our investing, and that's a big piece of it, right. in a way that empowers us, then we're going to live life planning for all those expected things, right? With ourselves, with perhaps kids and so forth and okay. charities, et cetera. And then it gives us the foundation, if you will, Kay, so that when one of us, has early onset dementia and everything I'm mentioning here, my clients have experienced and I have experienced with them. Oh, wow. It's very emotional. Yeah. Uh, when you get that diagnosis, when you find your child in a local hospital having OD'd and been there for seven days as John Doe, when you lose your mobility, when your partner dies unexpectedly, when your partner dies after an extended illness and now you're no longer a caregiver and what is your role? When these unexpected events occur, it's mm -hmm. so much more easy, and that's a relative term, to pivot from 
something that you already had put in place before. See, Kay, planning around money is as important as buying life insurance when you don't need it. You've got to buy life insurance before you have lost your health so that you can't even get life insurance. And so it's that notion of thinking ahead for our own benefit and that of our partner and family. I see. Oh, wow. You know what, what you mentioned, like, you know, your child being in a hospital, losing your partner, like, these are serious issues. And so many people do actually go through it. And it has so much, uh, I guess, emotional baggage that comes with it, that if you don't have the finances, you know, the, the frustration is just added even more. And so I understand what you're saying now. I'm sure our audience understand what you're saying. You've got to kind of, you've got to plan for the unexpected. You never know what's around the corner. So that makes complete sense. And thanks for being so completely open and honest about, you know, some of the things that your clients have gone through, because this is stuff that people really need to hear and know that, you know, there is another way around it. We just got to get our finances and money right. That's exactly right. And I think that there again, if we have that communication, and I'll speak between couples, but in our, within ourselves as well, then we aren't so caught off guard. Because here's the deal. When an unexpected event happens, it engages the emotions like 150%. Yep. Now, neuro-linguistic programming taught me, and I'm a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, when emotions are high, intellect is low, and vice versa. When intellect is high, emotions are low. Remind yourself, unexpected events, Boom, emotions, high alert, what to do, right? right? Intellect is way, 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 way in the rearview mirror. And so it's important for us to plan with our intellect when emotions aren't charged. Mm-hmm. Now we have the intellectual basis, if you will, so that when the unexpected happens, we can fully emote, be fully present personally and emotionally and in a heart-centered way to deal with whatever it is, is in our path. And then we revert back to stages of intellectual acuity and following or morphing or tweaking the plan. Right. Okay. That's amazing. This is really good information you're giving to people right now. Even I'm learning lots. Um, you mentioned about life insurance. It's so funny because I was actually looking to get in life insurance and I was like, oh, no, I don't need it now. You know, but you have a different point of view. You're like, get it now, in, <laughs> you know, because you might need it in a few years down the line. Right. Well, I, I always think that, you know, you it, it, in other words, life insurance buys survivors time, period, not bringing anybody back. Right. So I always ask the question, do you need life insurance? And I wouldn't advocate buying it if you don't need it. The point is, if you died yesterday, is there someone or some people that are dependent upon your salary? And if the answer is yes, now you need to buy the life insurance and you right. need to buy it now while you're healthy. But yeah. if your death would not cause a financial detriment to anyone, put your money in an investment right i see oh that's interesting stuff that's yeah this is really important to know oh my goodness i'm going to say this now to everybody if you haven't uh, you don't know deborah you know you will have to get to know her because even just this topic of conversation i have learned so much i know you guys have as well we will be giving her contact details a bit later on but Already, I've got to tell you guys, reach out to Deborah once you've been given the contact details. Deborah, oh my goodness. So if someone wants to learn about money right now, right, and they don't know nothing about it, are you able to teach them a very quick principle that they can relate to and immediately apply right now today? 
Well, certainly. And, and money is such a broad term. Uh, it, it can be addressed uh, in a multiplicity of ways. And yet I really believe that we want to understand that life is filled with mistakes. And that includes money. We're going to make mistakes about how we prioritize saving, spending, investing, right? And yet we need to focus on the recovery from those mistakes. In 42 years, I had clients come into my office and say, uh, oh, I made this horrible mistake. And I say, okay, so, so let, let me hear it. And they would spiel out something. And I would say, no, and so what else? No, no, that's it. If that's it, <laughs> full steam ahead, right? I have not had a circumstance in 42 years that is not able to be recovered from, period. And so I want us to understand, and this is particular to women. Women tend to feel that a mistake in money, oh my gosh, I'm running for the hills. I can't do this. Right. And it just is, it's, a, it's a compounding effect, which is not positive. So from a, from a money mindset standpoint, and you're all about mindset here, you're talking about raw, real, and relentless. And, yeah. and that's completely my modus operandi. And the mindset around money is so critically important, Kate. We want to understand, one, that mistakes are going to happen in managing money, choosing your priorities, et cetera. And number two, I want us to be able to um, segment out our goals and match investments to those goals timelines, okay? So okay. some people haven't thought of this before, and I get it, we're busy, but draw out a, a horizontal line on a piece of paper and then put vertical hash marks along the side and on the left side, say zero to 12 months. And then the next hash line, one year to three years and the next hash line, one to uh, three years to five years and five years to seven years and seven years plus. And you put on the top of that horizontal line, the goals and the aspirations you have for those particular timelines. And then you put an approximate price tag on them. Just an approximate, start someplace. And now your financial advisor, if you take that little uh, graph, the, the pictorial, if you will, to your financial advisor, they will fill in the bottom as to which types of investments will be appropriate matched to that goal and particular timeline. And so anything seven plus years needs to be in the stock market, just period. And I, I very rarely make absolute statements, but that's an absolute. The stock market has always, always recovered. Mm -hmm. It's those precipitous drops and the media's portrayal of those as something like the market is crashing. And the inference that we typically women especially take in is, oh, uh, boy, that looks important. Um, like, don't just sit there, uh, do something. Stupid, right? And the something that a lot of people do is they hit the sell button, right? And so I want us to, again, separate out that intellect and the emotion and understand what it is we're aiming for. People get all caught up in Apple versus Tesla stock because it's sexy. They, they can talk like that, right? I want us to dig deeper because our financial well-being depends upon us digging deeper. And the deeper dig is what is it that I want to achieve and how can my money and the investments in which I place it support those? Right. And if in fact we have disconnects there, we won't reach our goals. 
And yet a lot of people okay, have been tamped down. I mean, the, the 07, 08 recession, and then of course, the, the events of the last several years, it has tamped people down to the extent that I really, as a coach, my biggest challenge with people is teasing out their goals because they're like, I, I'm going from this job to that job. It's a rat wheel. And it's a depressive rat wheel because somebody died, somebody's deathly ill, someone's marginally ill. There's this entire overload that I want to penetrate and say, we're going to find, even with a small flashlight, something that lights you up and maybe lights you and your partner or you and your family up. And we're going to plan for it and we're going to get it. And then we're going to celebrate it. And we're going to really ground that into our muscle memory. The, the, the setting out of the goal, the intentionality, intentionality, big, big, big piece, which involves planning. And then the meeting the goal and most especially the celebration of it. Atta girl, atta boy, yeah. you can do this again. Amazing. Okay, so what I'm hearing from you is that you need to get clear as to what you want. Perfect. And make sure that you put your goals, I guess, in place in writing um, and set yourself those goals of what you want to achieve. Like you said, a lot of people haven't got a clue. I mean, I've come across a lot of people when I ask them, OK, where do you want to be in a year? Yeah, I want to be a, I, I want 100K in my account. OK, how are we going to get there? Don't know. Right. And I'm sure you've come across people like that. Exactly. And so making sure you get clear as to what you want to achieve, giving yourself deadlines, yeah. right? And making sure you take the steps to get there. That's right. what I'm hearing from you. Is Perfect. That right? and, and exactly. Set it out somehow. People say, well, I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. set out an initial thought. Because sometimes I say, so I, ask, I ask the person, well, what is, what's your goal? I don't know. Uh, what's your retirement goal? I don't know. Okay, so let's start from the reverse. Let's let's reverse engineer this, just as yeah. you're pointing out. Okay. okay, so may I presume then in your later years, I don't care if you call it retirement or not, in your later years, would you want to have a lesser standard of living than you have now? No, no, no. Oh, okay, so that's our first goal. We want to at least have the standard of living we have now. You see, you. I don't care how you get to it. You may play mind games in terms, maybe not even games, but the opposite kind of thing, right. which basically takes that sealed cover, that tamped down. I don't know. I don't know. I'm depressed. Right. It's not going to happen for me. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. There's a reason you weren't in the obituaries last night. Find it. <laughs> Do it. Right. Because there are those that are, as a certified grief coach, this is not a dress rehearsal. No. This is not a dress rehearsal. And I don't want any people of our listening audience today, any people for which their obituary would eventually say, died at age 46, buried at age 90. Wow. wow. Yeah. I will introduce you to no less than four or 5,000 widows I know personally that could talk with you about expressing your appreciation for those around you and start with yourself. Right. Right. Wow. That's powerful stuff, Deborah. That, that's amazing stuff right there. And you know what? I, I've got to ask you. So some of the stuff that you're telling me here is really, really powerful stuff. And I know you've kind of, you've created a different perspective on people with your clients, with people all over the world, right? And so can you tell us maybe one, two, 
um, stories that you've had with your clients and tell us how that journey has gone and where they were at before and what happened to them once they've worked with you. Oh, wow. Um, gosh, there are so many. Um, <laughs> I had I had a client that came to me in um, his late 50s. Okay. And he had some health issues and he really wanted to know if he could retire. And he and his wife. And I gulped really hard because I, I always envision a person living, one of the couple living to a hundred. I just, that's just how I do it because right. I don't want someone to run out of money in their later years, because now you have no time for compounding to help you catch up. Right. So I sharpened my pencil myriad times in doing this financial plan. And it was huge. It was a huge risk for me. And I, I deem myself a risk manager. Everybody else called me a financial planner and an asset manager. I knew at the end of the day, if I didn't manage the risks, the investments mattered not. So I was managing the risk of them, both of them, or one of the surviving of them to run out of money. And finally, I said to them, you can do this. It wouldn't be my first recommendation. Yet you can do this because I also feel the tug of wanting to live life while you have it. And the way in which you can do this is to shift the percentage of stocks in your portfolio to a much higher percentage. We'll always keep some powder dry to help you meet the expenses of the next three years. And yet I need to speak with you and educate you about risk because risk is the currency for reward. And with the stock market's 80 plus year historic return being roughly double that of the bond market's historic return. And I'm not advocating I know anything about what the future stock market return or bond market return would be. Yet, as Mark Twain said, history may not repeat itself, yet it'll surely rhyme. I look at that and I say a lot of people have been scared away from the stock market because of this price volatility. And yet, if we put on our goal line something that's seven plus years, we set it and forget get that in the stock market, right? And so I insisted that we partner, they partner with me in terms of an asset allocation, the, the percentage of their gross portfolio in stocks to be a much higher rate in order to give us this return that would take them safely home. And he has not died. This has been 22 years. He and his wife bought a little trailer, which always was their dream. They have crisscrossed camp the United States into Canada and back, visited their grandchildren as they wished, put on an addition on their house and are happier than they have ever been in their life. I mean, this is why I do what I do. Wow, that is amazing. Oh my goodness. So you completely transform not only people's mindset, their life, you know, their lifestyle, uh, and probably, uh, you know, probably in a few times where they've actually done investments or sorted out money and finances and are able to live a better life than they've ever had before. Right? Um, But again, it's just knowing how to do this, what's out there, and educating yourself right? Having a coach like yourself, telling people don't do this and do it like that. Because you don't know what you don't know. You need someone like you that's been doing it for many, many years to tell you what's going on. And again, you know, things evolve. And so what worked, I guess, 10 years ago, most probably would have changed now. And again, you would know those changes. You know, you've hit the nail on the head, Kate. I mean, 
our retirement now, those of us who are, you know, early 60s, is not our parents' retirement. They retired with the house free and clear. No boomerang kids that came back under their house and had a bad habit of eating on their budget. <clears throat> they had paid medical insurance for life. They have pensions. They have Social Security when uh, they turned 62, for example. This is not our parents' retirement. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there, here's the clue phone. So there has to be some planning around those changes. Now, I'll say one more thing about do it yourself. We do have to educate ourselves. Now, it drives me pretty batshit <coughs> to hear people say <coughs> that all women, because we tend to, women tend to be behind the curve from an educational standpoint vis-a-vis money, and especially older women whose socialization has been lesser, mm-hmm. less good than, than younger women. And yet, I like, like people like throw the book at women and say, well, you need to become financially literate. Like, hello, you won't live that long. No, no. If I went into the mechanic and I said, my brakes are squeaking. If he came out with this compendium of automotive you know, mechanics, I think I would like have to slap him, right? No, I want to know about my brakes, right? And so women don't have time to learn everything. Men don't, no one has time. Right. Yet, I think people think that because the internet is there open 24 seven, they can Google something and they can figure out this thing on their own. They feel shamed that they haven't figured it out before because after all, it's all here. Okay, good. It's all here, but what's noise and what is the truths about money? And I have a course entitled just that because I cut through, as you might imagine, Kay, raw, relentless. I cut through the noise to get to the nuggets because we don't, any of us have time for noise. Now, how the non-professional investment professional, financial planning professional de- uh, defines noise and how I define noise massively different. I can't tell you a couple of times, like clients have come in, prospective clients come in to become my client and they tell me what they did. And I'm chewing the inside of my cheeks thinking, oh, my heart, if they would have come in before they made that decision, it could have, I could have saved them $50,000. I mean, this is what you knowing what you don't know and nobody knows what they don't know so you at least get an initial appointment with a fiance planner that's going to give you another perspective right and it might jar you from a previous bias that you had this whole thing under control and if you do have the whole thing under control your fiance planner is going to tell you that and congratulate you so there's no downside risk there's a whole <laughs> lot of upside potential right oh my goodness i like that now, I know at this point, Deborah, people are thinking, oh, my God, how do they get hold of you? So where can they go to contact you? Well, um, you can email me at team at women navigating finances. And we'll have that in the uh, in the information. Women navigating finances, plural dot com. Uh, I have a Facebook page uh, with that. You can cut, pop me uh, into your LinkedIn search button. And in essence, I, I want to suggest that I formed the company Women Navigating Finances because I end up coaching a lot of women because we tend to have some deficits that some men do not. And yet I, I suggest to you, if any of your younger listeners are thinking, hey, this sounds like something my mom could use or my mother-in-law could use, then send them over and uh, we'll be happy to, uh, to offer them some, uh, some time, some, some free information, if you will. Um, awesome. I would certainly welcome anybody. And are we going to talk about the freebie? Yeah, go for it. Please do. Okay. I have a freebie for our uh, listening audience and viewing audience, and that is there's some conversational tips about money that you could use with your partner, right? If you're partnered um, and or yourself, because you're partnered with yourself, right? right? And those are fun. 
And I think effective because like sometimes couples say to me, well, you know, it's, it's certainly not romantic to talk about finances. Let me tell you how romantic divorce is. <laughs> Zero. So, yeah. So we're going to uh, have on, um, and that is available through my website, canwetalkmoney.com. So uh, again, there's a whole bunch of ways, but uh, please email me at team. T-E-A-M at Women Navigating Finances. Uh, pop in on LinkedIn, my Facebook page, um, Women Navigating Finances, or uh, pop over to canwetalkmoney.com and, and hopefully we'll give you a ton of value. Amazing. Now, guys, remember everything, all the links, you know, ways to contact Deborah will all be in the show notes. So if you haven't caught it here, then make sure you scroll down and grab the links and make sure you do contact Deborah, whether it's for yourself or family member or a friend. Make sure you have a conversation with Deborah because the amount of information she knows, her expertise around all of this is astonishing. And you're definitely going to be learning something from Deborah once you get on a call with her. Make sure you get your free gift as well that Deborah has created for us, especially. Deborah, thank you for having um, coming on to the show. It was amazing having you on here. So many golden nuggets. Oh my goodness, in a short amount of time as well. So thank you again. Okay, thank you. And uh, God bless you and your audience. Um, I will end with saying, when we pay attention to our money, it will pay us back. There you go. Awesome. Thank you so much, Deborah. Indeed. Thank you for your time and listening to Uncensored Society podcast. All resources mentioned throughout the episode will be added to the show notes and you'll be able to find them at the bottom as you scroll down. Don't forget to go ahead and subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Thank you once again.